The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am group. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push... It can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? Ah, oh, I'm much better this week for sure. He doesn't want to go on the cart. Mm-mm. I'm feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go for a walk now? (laughs) (sighs) Don't tell me that never crossed your mind while you were feeling under the weather, dude. Well, you know, you know it did because... Because I'm sitting there, I'm like, uh, there may have been a moment where it did cross my mind, but I didn't know exactly say, I'm not dead yet. You know, but my my voice sounded more like, uh, I'm not dead yet, you know, but, you know. Not nearly as dignified without the uh, British accent, so, you know. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Well, check out the homepage. MightyMarvelGeeks.net and our affiliates like Bitty Boomers use code WeBeGeeks for 15% off your, your purchase. Uh, Toink, which I'm getting that up soon, uh, but go to Toink, use code Geeks15 for 15% off your first purchase. Uh, check out superhero stuff and more. All that you can find on our website on the right hand side at MightyMarvelGeeks.net or, and you can also email us if you got any questions, concerns, topic ideas for us at mightymarvelgeeks at gmail.com. What am I missing? Social media? Oh, social media. Yeah. Hit us up on Instagram at mightymarvelgeeks, all one word, and at Twitter, uh, marvelgeeks on Twitter. So check those out as well. (laughs) We want to hear from you. And you, and you, and especially you. But not you. You know who you are. The restraining order should still be good. Uh, okay, wait. Um, he's okay. They're okay. Since when? Since now, maybe. Fine. Because I'm in a good mood. Fine. Justify. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys.
<laughs> I love how even my most butt obscure references still, still yes. get identified in you. I kill you. I kill you. I'm sick and tired of hearing it. Was it not true? No, it's true. I'm just sick and tired of hearing it. On a stick. <laughs> oh, okay. boy. We got to get Jeff Dunham into the MCU so we can get him on the show. Yes. Yes. Um. Anyway, <laughs> like I said, I'm in a great mood. Um, We're a little punch drunk tonight. Oh, too many hits i've been a little punch drunk for a week and a half almost two weeks now i'm starting to get worn down from it but um, well still riding that high i mean yeah you probably you i'm guessing you you can't say anything officially but uh oh i i'm waiting for kylan to ask why am i so punch drunk and why am i in such a great mood kylan mike why are you so punch drunk why are you in such a great mood because february 8th I start at the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Yes! Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! Yeah! Yeah! So. Oh, man. Okay, so so who else can I, vo- can I do a bad impression of tonight? <laughs> I mean, Bob Newhart. I, I don't know if you could. I mean, my, my Bob Newhart is like questionable at best yeah well well as, as yeah. far as i'm concerned it doesn't matter i can say cats out of the bag now i'm i'm gonna be starting He's work it off for in space yes so so now so you kind of got the whole you 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 just brought it all full circle so if you're so you already work for disney yep. but now you're doing the galactic star cruiser yep you have the star wars uh podcast yep now marvel's got star wars Marvel's got Star Wars, and as we're recording today, yesterday was my 24th anniversary with Disney, and what came out yesterday on New Comic Book Day, Marvel Star Wars: The Halcyon Legacy. So there you go. So it's and that sent the little screenshot to us, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. To to bring y'all back up to speed, y'all go back through our archives and listen to the interview we did with Jason Aaron. This was right just a within just a few months after uh, Marvel announcing the new Star Wars title. We talk about you know you know getting the Star Wars title back cuz he was the he was the first writer on the series and basically talking about the the big announcement that came about with Canon mm-hmm. and how Basically, you know, Lucasfilm was hitting the reset button on Canon. Mm-hmm. And we asked, can you bring anybody from the old Canon back into the new one? And they said, yes, but it's got to be approved by the story committee, the story group. My story group, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I want to say we put in a request, and by we, I mean me, uh, mm-hmm. wanting to see the old Marvel Star Wars character of Crimson Jack. Hey, mine got put, my requests ended up getting put in, not into the Marvel, not through Marvel, but through IDW, but still canon. That was so, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. But I absolutely love the character of Crimson Jack and Jolie. Yeah. I was not a big fan of the outfit of Crimson Jack's outfit, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But you know, hey, it was kind of star, it was kind of superhero-y at the time. Yeah. Um, but Mike sent us a you know screenshot or a little picture of a panel that had, lo and behold, had Crimson Jack in it. With an out- updated outfit. With an updated outfit and an updated facial hair game. Yeah. 
he went from the the beard, the full beard, to the mutton stash, and you know, I think he's kind of liking that look. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of liking that look on him. And I do like the the costume change on him as well. Yeah. It works. It looks more like something an actual pirate, a space pirate would wear. Right. So, yes, it is nice to see something that we asked for how many years ago now? Yeah. And, and who and who would have thought we would have gotten, um, oh, shoot. Can't think of bang. Name. Who? No, you said shoot. I said bang. Oh, uh, the one bounty hunter. Oh, which- you're talking about from um, in um, the latest episode of uh, oh, Alex? Valance, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Valance back in the comics as well. So I'm glad and, to see him back. And I, and I, and I love how they have changed, um, changed the backstory some that he was at the Academy with Solo. Well, it gives him more of a connection. And he, mm-hmm. and it, and Valance is the reason why Solo was kicked out of the Academy and moved to infantry because he defied orders and went to go rescue Valance when he was told to leave mm-hmm. him behind. And that's in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet miniseries. Right. Which you can find, you, you know, Kylan, mark that as the whole one through fives, my uh, my picks for uh, MU this week. Okay, so it's Han Solo. Deal. Han Solo Imperial Cadet, the whole series. I think it was five issues. It's a BOGO deal. You you know, you buy one, you get four free. Yep. <laughs> Got it. So we, we're just pulling the curtain back a little bit here because usually we do this kind of discussion before we start recording. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And well, I hadn't decided what I was going to do, but since we're talking about it. Yeah. Just go right there. So sometimes inspiration hits and you just got to hit that inspiration right back. Yep. So, um, so yeah, since the comic starts off in present time, well, in the time period between the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, which mm-hmm. is, which is the time period set for, um, galaxy's edge right we now know crimson jack has made it to the era of the first order right so well there we go so we know that now if we can find out about um valance and uh well afra and and jackson right i i i would be okay <laughs> yeah but it's, it's okay anyway because i have i still want to see a crimson jack and i want to see it based on the new new design but i want a crimson jack black series figure but i do have a jackson black series figure yeah I'm, my I, I remember my comic shop had has that figure and i was first time i walked in i'm, I'm like what yeah <laughs> i jackson I, really? okay i wish they kept it more to the look of the comic slash even id idw's comic version what we see on the box mm-hmm. make it a little bit more bugs bunny-ish so to speak mm-hmm, right not not try and go realistic because mm-hmm. i don't think we would have gotten i don't think if we went live action or go live action with the jackson it's going to be as realistic i think they're still going to give a slight nod to the look of the comics right. well in I don't know. I do kind of like the slightly more realistic look, but that's just me. Because if you went to Bugs Bunny-ish, you're going to get Warner Brothers shouting copyright foul. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, but and and one thing that we're we're just tickled over the return of Jackson is because back in the day. He was pretty much the OG Jar Jar. Yeah. He was the, he was a very polarizing figure in the fan base. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he was. He was, but it was back in the days before Twitter, before social media. 
before, you know, umpteen dozen blogs and websites pick things apart and everything and that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So I think that most of us who enjoyed the character remembered him, the rest of them. Best of people tried to just like file him away in a closet of obscurity. Right. So I'm glad to see Jackson back. <laughs> would I like to see a live action? You know, I'm not 100% that I would, but there are other characters in Star Wars that I never thought we would ever see live action versions of, either that. Uh, that have become live action versions. Yeah. Right. Not uh, not naming any any names. But I'll just go ahead and name names. <laughs> call him Joe. How about that? Hmm? Can we call him Joe? <laughs> I mean that's not his name, but you know, we'll just call a name. Random name. Oh, just go ahead and call him by his real name. I'm okay with that. Aloysius. <laughs> Aloysius. <laughs> Every time I see this character now, it's that's going to go through my head. Aloysius. Aloysius. Oh. Complete with the Lee Van Cleef music in the background. Aloysius. So, but anyway, that is Star Wars. We're here to talk about Marvel, right? Yeah, but we just talked about a Star Wars Marvel comic. Though. We did. That's true. That's true. That's related to Disney, which is related to where I'm about to work. Right. Which is where we're still, we still should be saying congratulations up one side and down the other. Because, exactly. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and I mean, congratulations again. <laughs> all of us who grew up when the original Star Wars came out in theaters and we all dreamed of one day, you know, being in that world or it's like, you know, how cool would it be in that world? Oh, well, we got that. Right. We got that with Galaxy's <laughs> Edge where you could walk around in the Star Wars universe. Right. Okay. But confession, how much of this, how much of that on, on the playgrounds, how much did you guys play Star Wars on the playground? Uh, oh, when a, we heck were kids? Of a, a heck of a lot. Why? Because no. we couldn't get this. No. I mean, then, you know, we got the RPG and mm -hmm. the RPG was awesome. Yeah. RPG. And then, you know, we got the video games and that was awesome. But then, like, I think the next step was Star Tours, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, you know, those, those of us who got to experience that, you're like, you were in the Star Wars world yeah. for a moment, you know? And, and how, speaking of Star Tours, if you were born on, thi on this date back in 1987 or since then, Star Wars and Disney have been in a partnership for your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, Star Tours arrived at Disneyland in January of 1987. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's... That is over 30 years ago. Yep. Man. And you can watch all about it over on uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. But where I was going with all that was when we got old enough to start thinking about where we would like to work. How many of us would was would say, well, we, we want to work making Star Wars stuff or you know, we want to work for Lucasfilm or just whatever. And this big galoot over here gets to actually do it. Yeah. He gets to work. In Star. He gets to dress up in Star Wars. He gets to go visit Star Wars and he gets to get paid for it. I get to I don't work for Star Wars. I work in Star Wars. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've I've been told I will have to do a uh, um, it's almost like a traditions class, but for Star Wars, it's a journey. It's called Journey Begins or something like that, where you, you mm -hmm. learn the 
the terminology and some of the lore behind what we're going to be doing. So we know just like with Galaxy's Edge, so we know how to you know, respond to people proper, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> There's going to be an entire <laughs> chapter dedicated to Life Day and the holiday special. I know it. Yes. <laughs> um, if, if they say that we have to create a, char- a character backstory for us, I become canon. Wow. Mike <laughs> is canon. <laughs> Mike, Mike would be canon. I, I, I will become canon. The canonization of Mike Emke. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and you know what? It's like, if that happens, like it's a surreal experience, you know, but you get to go and you get to point and say, hey, I'm a part of that universe, you know, uh, black series figure. Yeah, it happen. Black series figure. I get to absolutely fanboy. <laughs> I, I, I get to th- this. Wait, oh, never mind. I, I, <laughs> I, I just can't. I'm, I'm getting. So who's got our first start? <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> um, actually, I should have Eric start this one because he's the one who brought it up first. And you said you would absolutely love this. What did I say I would absolutely love? Savage Avengers. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Savage Avengers is getting a new series. And, well, crap. Now I got to pull that up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, because how you do that. Well, you know, it's first of all, Conan was one of my very the very first comic book characters that I got introduced to. Uh, so that's anything with him in it. I'm going to enjoy. I'm I'm going to be attracted to. Well, now you've got him in the Avengers, right? Which he's been in the Avengers before, but now you've got other guys with him. You've got, uh, uh, let's see, it looked like Agent Venom, was it? Um, Cloak and Dagger at one point. I remember seeing an image and I just, I can't, I can't pull the the link up at the moment. Uh, You know what? I was looking at it. Hold on. Cloak and Dagger. Uh, But the character that, that caught my eye even more than Conan. Who's the female Daredevil? That's uh, Uh, Elektra. Yeah. Uh, Black Knight. Uh, Yeah. The white venom, mm-hmm. or that's uh, anti venom, right? Anti venom, I think. Yeah, yeah, anti venom. Fucking dagger. Uh, and then there's like a, a Hulk, like Hulk Wolverine mix. It's like Weapon H or something. Is gotcha. that, I think. But the character that caught my eye more so than even Conan, Deathlock. Yep. They yeah. freaking brought Deathlock back, and I remember what the the very first. Um, the very first comic book convention that I ever went to was in March of 94. It was in Detroit and we got, and I got to share a weekend booth share at the booth. Uh, it was the first, it was the first one I'd been to is the first one that I worked uh, with Rich Buckler who pretty much created Deathlock right. to begin with. Nice. And he, uh, he was, he was trying to plug a different character called death machine, which was basically, you know, Deathlock 2.0. Mm-hmm. But this was like not long after Kirby passed away. So I got to hear Kirby stories from him. Oh, man. Yeah. And we got to share like a cab ride to to the airport. And and he's just he's, he's telling me these Kirby stories is kind of like at, at the time I said, this is this is almost like, you know, sharing a cab ride with a jazz musician talking about. Louis Armstrong or Dizzy Gillespie. Right. 
Charlie Parker, for that matter. Just I, I it, it's been it's been almost thirty years, and I am I'm still fanboying about that. Wow. So Deathlock, and and I loved when uh, Dennis Cohen, I think Cowan, uh, took, you know, introduced a new version where basically he was pacifist. Mm-hmm. It was it, he was pacifist, and he was used basically his his brain put in a war machine, and he did like a a multi issue arc on the souls of cyber folk, and he pulled a lot like from W. E. B. Du Bois and other other African American voices because yeah. he was American himself, and it, he basically drew parallels for you know if you were if you were like a cyborg or an artificial intelligence network or whatever, uh, there were. A lot of parallels in there and it was some really good stuff yeah. man wow I, I may i may have to change my mu pick too <laughs> <laughs> but um or maybe for another week but yeah i mean i love seeing awesome. i love seeing deathlock anywhere that's why yeah. i, I want to see live action deathlock back yeah. mm-hmm. i mean i <sighs> It was it it was an awesome surprise to see to to get Deathlock in Agents of Shield. It was awesome, especially with all the rumors that, oh, that's Luke Cage, and you know, I was like, I was kind of excited about that, but I'm like, I really, it really didn't make sense. I'm like, if you're gonna do Luke Cage, why would you do Luke Cage in Agents of Shield? Didn't make sense to me, but it was a long road. But once we got there, and you're like Deathlock, mm-hmm. I'm like. Oh, oh, you know, that was yeah, that, that was, was a bit of a deep dive for the non-comic reading people. Yes, it was a, a huge deep dive. And so was um, basically Aquarius from Zodiac. Yes, Agent, yes. Uh, oh, crap. Bill Paxton's character. Um, <sighs> all right. I can't remember. I can't remember his name. Uh, John. John. Um, if you say it, I'll, I'll probably holler. Yes, that's him. Wait a minute. <laughs> I I just, I just remembered that he was Ward's um, mentor, um, Garrett. Uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, I kept hoping that we were going to see Scorpion, Scorpio. Yes, I did too. I I kept hoping. I'm like, you know, okay, so we we're, we're doing this whole Hydra Shield thing. Okay, that's fine. You know what would be awesome? You know, we because at that point. Fury showed up once or twice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so are we going to get Scorpio? Get Scorpio? No, we didn't. But it's okay. You know, we we still. I mean, we got Madam Hydra. We got. Uh, I'm trying to think. We got Graviton. Yeah, Graviton, Madam Hydra. Uh, you got you, you got Baron to Baron Strucker. Yeah. So you know they. So you know beggars can't be choosers. No. And the other day, uh, the other day, I finally sat down and watched um, "The Harder They Fall" with Delroy Lindo, and I still get salty for "Most Wanted." Mm-hmm. I, I get. I, I'm at the point now. I get Marvel salty. I, I get. I get Firefly salty on a Marvel level because of "Most Wanted." That's how I get. Firefly, what, what, where are we at now? Twenty-one years, twenty-two years, mm-hmm. and I'm still, and I, and I'm, I'm talking. I got feelings about a show that never even happened. That's all I gotta say about that. that that's okay. <laughs> well, speaking of Madam Hydra, Dakota Johnson is to play Madam Web in the Sony verse of Marvel characters. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, I read that, and I was like, okay, I. <clears throat> 
I think I have Madam Webb's first appearance. Um, and Kylan's now changing his MU pick for the week. <laughs> no. I, actually, I have not. Because you guys, I have not settled on a pick yet. Because usually by this point, I have. And I just keep waiting because there is a pick that's sitting there. And it's sort of like the passive. Like, if nothing else happens, it's going to move to the forefront. But I keep waiting because we've had so much really good content that all of a sudden I'm going to oh, man, I forgot about that. And then I'll be like, you know what my uh, MU pick is going to be? <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks, this show was not scripted. It's not even pre-planned. No, if it was scripted, it wouldn't be as good. No. No. Uh, so yeah, Dakota Johnson has been cast as Madam Web in the studio's next standalone superhero movie. It would mark Sony's first modern comic book adaptation to feature a female in the title role. Uh, insiders close to the story stress that Johnson's deal is not closed, but confirmed that she is in the talks to secure the role. Um, this is coming from Variety, so yeah. we could speculation, but it's pretty darn good speculation. Yeah, yeah, Eddie. or rumor, but however you want to say yeah. it. Variety you know, is actually pretty reputable. Yeah, uh, you know what? I did have Madam Web's first appearance. Holy crap! I just looked at I just looked at how much that book is worth. <laughs> One million dollars. Uh, not quite. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't be. Uh, I'm not going to be able to retire off of it, but you could buy it, a back and fries with it. I'm sure I, I could. Yeah, it, it was it was one of those books. It was right when uh, my mom uh, was buying me um, subscriptions. Mm-hmm. So that this is when I, I was reading a lot of Spider-Man and I remember like Madam Web was weird to me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> In the comics, Madam Web is key in the interconnected unit multiverse, um, which has been confusing a confusing concept that Sony, Disney, and Warner Brothers have separately started to tease in their own on-screen adventures. Uh, in effect, the mind-bending theory involves multiple versions of characters from different timelines in the case of Sony's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man No Way Home and intersect to a varying degree into varying degrees of chaos. So Webb often appears as a side character in Spider-Man comics where she is depicted as a blind, paralyzed elderly woman who has uh, a chronic autoimmune <laughs> disorder. Yeah. I'm not even going to give that one a shot. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. Myasthenia gravis. What he That's said. how it looks like it would be pronounced to me. Myasthenia gravis. Uh, basically, it's it's kind of like it, it strikes me as being kind of like Lou Gehrig's disease. Yep. Uh, a disorder of neuromuscular junction transmission. As a result, she's an invalid entirely dependent on external life support for survival. Uh, this is no longer the case as she was cured of the condition some time ago, but she is blind. Uh, she's cybernetically linked to a spider web like life support chair, which attends to all of her bodily needs. Yep. Mm-hmm. As she was first introduced in issue 210 of The Amazing Spider-Man in 1990, mm-hmm. where she's a clairvoyant mutant whose powers prove to be greatly beneficial to Spider-Man and his fellow arachnid allies like Spider-Woman. So, so you think maybe we would get a uh, Spider-Woman in this movie quite possibly why not mm-hmm. or maybe even get um the gwen stacy spider-man or spider-girl Spider no not spider-gwen but the spider-girl 
Okay. No, not Gwen Stacy. The, the Are you fe- talking about uh, the, Peter's the f- daughter? May Parker? Maybe. I thought I thought there was a, in the previous Spider-Man cartoon, when they did their multiverse, there was a female spider, Spider-Man, Spider-Girl, and Peter had died. Or, or she was dating Peter. And it was not hmm. Peter. The Spider-Girl that I know of, that I remember, is Peter's daughter. Right. May Mayday Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, from the staff series was from, was it M- MC2, from the MC2 universe? No, uh, no. it was on. Oh. Um, oh, well, hang on, hang on. I think I found it. Petra Parker, an alternate universe superhero who appears in the Marvel animated series Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, voiced by Olivia Holt. Yes, sounds right. Oh, okay. that's crazy. Olivia Holt, uh, she's the one who plays uh, Dagger in the TV series Cloak and Dagger. Well, there you go. Uh, I believe it's Web Warriors. Well, this is what Wikipedia is saying it is, so take that with the grain of salt. But yes. Ultimate Spider-Man. Web Warriors. Or maybe she's like an ally to Miles Morales Spider-Man. Maybe. Uh, Spider-Girl. Anyway. Um, anyway, yes, as we totally derailed the show. <laughs> season three, Spider-Girl. Maybe it is. But the link to this Spider Girl takes us to uh, May Parker. May Parker. Yeah. Yes. There's a there's a couple of links you got to follow off of that page to get there. So yeah. Yeah. Um. Television. Okay. The alternate version of Spider Girl named Petra Parker. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, maybe we get Petra Parker. I think it's more likely that we're going to see you know like Spider Woman or Miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean those those would probably be those would be my my guesses. Right. I agree. I agree. Because you know, you know Sony's itching to get Miles into the picture. Yeah, yeah. Well I I, I think that we're I think we we're probably not gonna see too much more of Peter on the big screen. I think they're they're gonna wanna move it over towards Miles. I I think we will see some more Peter in the big screen. You think so? I think um, what I don't think we're going to see much of Peter's Spider-Man on the big screen once we get uh, once we get Miles. Mm-hmm. Once you get Miles, you may see Tom Holland as Peter Parker as a mentor. Correct. Right. Kind of like kind of like how you saw it when the uh, PS4 Spider-Man game. Yeah. Yes. 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 And I would be okay with that. Yeah, I, I would be too. Because okay. we we know we know Tom's going to be around for at least three more films. Yeah, but he right. he's already saying he shouldn't be playing um, Peter as Spider Man for too much longer. So as someone who. Uh, I don't know if he's just stating this based on a line of comics or just how he personally feels that Spider-Man should remain younger and not not age like he has in the comics. I don't know. Well, see, here's the problem with live action characters. They grow older. Mm -hmm. I mean, Spider-Man has been around since how long? 68. 60 from the 60s. Now, if he was 18 years old in 68, I mean, he's he's joined AARP long ago. Yeah. I mean, he's basically in his 70s now. And uh, and, you know, I think in the comics, he is he may be in his early to mid 30s, maybe. Yeah, see, maybe I don't mind him playing an older 
Spider-Man mm-hmm. or an older Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him basically because, you know, how old is Tom Holland now? Tom Holland is he's in his 20s, I think. Yeah. You know, he can't play a high school kid forever. Spider-Man no. 62 when he was introduced. OK, so he's 25 years old now. OK, mm-hmm. Tom so you can't play a high school teenager forever. I would actually kind of like to see a hiatus between, you know, let him become older. Yeah. I mean, give him a chance to grow up a little, right. You know, bring in miles, let Peter be the tutor, the mentor. Right. I mean, he can still web sling with the best of them. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Well, talking about being out there with best of them, Mm -hmm. uh, report. This is from comicbookresources.com. Captain America four, Shannon Carter, Sharon Carter's role changed due to fans. You, you know what? I I believe it when I see it. I, I don't. We talked about this earlier, and I the people that I talked to, they liked the turn of events. There was there was no. I didn't hear anybody complain that they didn't like that Sharon Carter was the power broker and Sharon Carter had turned bad. It made sense. I mean, okay, but did she? Yeah, she she may be the power broker but did she really turn bad or is she an anti-hero in the ult uh, and the ult is, is she the boba fett of the mcu uh, I, know, I think she's talking about selling america sell, selling american tech to other to other people for i, I that that kind of makes her uh, a uh, trader She's, she's a bad, bad guy. She she's selling tech in general. It doesn't matter whose it is. Well, right. she did, she did say at the end of the series that you know the power broker is back in business because she has access to shield tech. Yeah, tech. I, yes, she does. Yes, she does move other merchandise, but it's it, you know the uh, the weapons tech. The super soldier serum, all that, that's her bread and butter. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's no, she's, she's bad. She's bad. Well, she's, but I, yeah, I, I'm with you, Kylan. I hadn't heard any complaints about no. Carter. Well, according to that hashtag show, uh-huh. Carter was originally intended to be the film's primary antagonist, but due to the negative response that her new role as power bro- broker received, uh, Again, like you guys, I have no clue where this is coming from either. Um, now, should she be Mar- the primary antagonist for a movie? Yes. I would say probably not. Now, Marvel Studios opted to reduce her role and introduce a super villain, super villain to the film instead. Emily Van Camp will return as Carter, but it is unknown what her role will be. You know what? I'm, I'm calling Shul bit on it. Um, I, I, it sounds better. I'm calling, I'm calling shenanigans cause there's no, here's the thing. They, they, their basis is super generalized. Um, and you know, they may just, this might just be a reaction piece. And you know, for all we know, they probably were, for all we know, they're, they're sitting around the bullpen talking and a couple guys are like or a couple of people couple of people are like man you know what i don't know how i feel about sharon carter being a bad guy oh well you know people are complaining no we got two people who complained and you know then they they have that basis because it seems like there's a lot of 
probably could be could be uh, people are saying there's just a lot of generalities in there, you know. And, and again, I will say this: Power Broker to me does not feel like a character who should be the main antagonist. You no, know? no, because it, it, my, of course, I may be misremembering here. But in the comics, they were kind of a peripheral figure. They were they were like they were like Q in the James Bond movies. Right. Yeah, they were there. They made an important a, a significant contribution, but they weren't they weren't the rock star. They weren't the headliner. No, no. And the whole purpose and the power broker was power broker was not out to rule the world. No. The power broker was there basically to create superhumans. Right. Because that was a play on the name power broker. Mm -hmm. You know, you come to the power broker for powers. Right. And so at this point, I don't really, it's, I say I don't really care who the power broker is Mm -hmm. because ultimately their identity is not really relevant to their role in the story. But, Having said that, I did like how the MCU power broker was woven into the storylines as they have developed. It makes sense that Sharon Carter, who is on the run from the government because she helped Captain America and helped bring down S.H.I.E.L.D., it makes sense that she would go to someplace like Madripoor. Right. And if you are a basically a secret agent type espionage type character, it makes sense that you kind of get involved with the uh, the the less than above board business dealings of Madripoor, right? As opposed to coming to visit us at the above ground underwater suborbital volcano lair. You got that right, right? Because now we we can't have her stealing the secret plans for the Hellabus. It's true. Dude, I saw those on Thinkiverse last week. See, I, I I saw I saw a version on Wish. Man, it was not good. <laughs> I I can't imagine anything worse than the Wish version of the Hellabus. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man, it, it, there's our show title right there. When you order the Hellabush from Wish, it, it, it's, it's a paper airplane made from Canadian newspaper. <laughs> oh, thank God it's not voice activated because take off, eh? Would start it up. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, poser. <laughs> but yeah, to me, see, I don't, I don't understand the the supposed hate. For Sharon Carter's power broker. I, I don't not, either. I really have not heard much of anything one way or the other about Sharon Carter as power broker. And maybe maybe that's the the fan reaction they're talking about. Because if they're saying, well, we need a good villain to play against, you know, Captain America, well, Sharon Carter didn't make quite the splash we hoped. So let's not throw her in there. Right. I mean, it's it's not necessarily that it's bad, like people hated it. It's just people didn't go gaga goo goo over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so again, you know, I'm not going to say they're blowing smoke. I'm not going to say they're they're fabricating this, you know, bad reaction from fans. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. Right. I. 
I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I and I I don't even think that I I couldn't see Power Broker being the big bad in the Captain America movie anyway. I I don't see them doing that. I do believe that Power Broker would would be the engine mm-hmm. to make things difficult for Cap. You know. You but know, it's I, not going to be the thing that makes them make things difficult. Now, I could see John Walker going to her mm-hmm. because she's the one that provided the serum or that. OK, not provided may not be the best word for it, but it was basically her serum <coughs> that right. he took. Right. And maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe Sam goes to her. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, think about it, guys. We have Sam Wilson, who is a very skilled combatant. Yeah. He is very, and with that Wakandan vibranium you know, falcon suit, he's very, very formidable. Mm-hmm. If you were to add the super strength into this, I know we'd be straying way the heck off the comic lines. Right. But that's having strength equal to Steve, Bucky, or John. Mm-hmm. I mean, that puts that puts a whole new dimension on him. It does, and especially when you consider Isaiah Bradley had it. Right. Well, he had he had the enhanced strength as well. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's that's another thought. What? What if we see his grandson? I think we're Ooh. going to see the grandson. No, no. Here's here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I don't know how we how we get to this, but if the power broker gives the grandson, I can't remember the grandson's name. Jake. Uh, let's see. Um, not Isaiah. Isaiah uh, dang, can't think of his name now. I know he becomes Patriot. Yeah. Um, not Jacob. Eli. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eli. What if Eli winds up getting some power broker serum? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm spitballing here. But, right. You know, that's, that's where you could, it, it, it is possible. It is. You know, and you're seeing other young Avengers come about. Right. I don't, I don't see where this is totally out of the realm of possibility. Right. Mm. Well, mm. I kind of want to end the show on this note. Okay. Ah! No, not that one. Oh, sorry. Wrong one. <laughs> ten, oh. ten reasons Marvel's Inhumans flopped. <sighs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear it. Number 10. The teaser image didn't do the show any favors. Uh, this is from, again, comicbookresources.com. Uh, okay. Right when the first image of the cast was released, blood was in the water. Live action superhero shows are always challenging on a visual level. Things have to be changed so th- and so on. CWDC shows have it down to a science, but it was one thing that Marvel wasn't able to replicate very well at the time. This hurt the Inhumans a lot. Um, the whole thing looked remarkably generic, which was a massive problem. Inhumans have always been visually distinct. They are some of Kirby's best designs, but the bland direction the show went was bad right off the bat. Yeah, I will agree. Mm-hmm. It, it looked it looked very much like a made-for-TV series production design. Yeah. Um, the production value number nine. The production values can never match what the con what made the concept so great. Hence why they now, cut Medusa's hair so quick. Yeah, dude, that's uh, that's like giving Superman a kryptonite ankle bracelet. I mean, yeah. Speaking of Medusa, number eight, Medusa was nerfed almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm just going to reserve comment until you finish this list because, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, number seven, the budget just couldn't stand up to what the show needed. 
Uh, Marvel trying to make the Inhumans the next mutants was a mistake from the get-go, and trying to do it on a television budget was a huge mistake. Again, we are also talking about this was during the time period where Ike Perlmutter, um, trying to do so on the budget that Marvel TV, back when it was a separate entity from Marvel Studios and run by the notoriously tight-fisted executive Ike Perlmutter, was basically impossible. So, number six, besides the Netflix shows, t- Marvel TV shows at the time did not have a huge viewership. Okay. So, the Inhumans was going after the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. audience, which was never very big to begin with. No. Well, season one did not help that. No. The first first half half of... of, Yeah. Yeah. And I've talked about that ad nauseum. We all have. Yeah. Right. So, uh, number five, the main character couldn't talk. Well, duh. Yeah. It's the whole purpose of Black Bolt. He can't talk without without totally destroying people. Right. He he so much as belches, and it's kind of like Hiroshima all over again. Yeah. Right. Uh, number four, Maximus was a generic villain. In the comics, he's a cool villain, driven mad by his brother Sonic Scream. So he uses mind control powers to take revenge by trying to take over Atelian. Uh, he has simple use, and he's good for it. show did great casting him, but they leaned more into the generic aspects of the character instead of what made him so, so villainous. Such a great villain. They also turned him into a jealous younger brother obsessed with Medusa. So, uh, number three, even to comics fans, the Inhumans were D-listers. So we hope, so what we hope did they have, so what hope did they have with casual fans? God, I can't read tonight. <laughs> um, number two, everyone knew it was a cynical ploy to, re- to replace mutants. Of course it was, because at the time, you know, with the Fox deal, um, Marvel couldn't use mutants in the in the franchise, in any of the franchises. So this was the, the workaround in humans, because right. it was the Inhumans that created the Terrigen that was turning everyone else into the, the modern Inhuman. You notice they really haven't done much with Inhumans since. No, no. Uh, number one, the critical and fan reception was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, critics can make or break a show, and they weren't kind to Inhumans. Quite the opposite, really, as they savaged the show from the word go. This compounded everything else with once word of mouth hit, show was pretty much dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. For me, I thought if they had just done the, ser- the season of the series at this point in as two different pods with the underlining thread theme to connect the two, it would have been better instead of trying to do everything all all spread over eight episodes, which is what they Hon- ended up doing. Honestly, I think the the whole entirety of the failure of Inhumans was that they tried to replicate the lightning in a bottle with Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. by taking but obscure characters that casual fans would have no idea who they are. Right. And try to basically do it on a TV budget. Right. If right. You, it, they, they bit off more than they could budget. <laughs> I'm I'm serious. I mean, in order to do a story like, and this was one of the the reasons on CBR, they need a bigger budget because they yeah. are. It, it is grand landscapes. It is grand adventures. It is. I think you need a bigger boat. Yeah, that sort of thing. And if you're gonna bring Jack Kirby characters to life, bring them as Jack Kirby characters. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Basically, you picked the wrong group, the wrong fr- the wrong title 
to bring to a low budget TV series. Right. My, I always felt like the the Inhumans do better when they have another group to interact with, mm-hmm. i.e. the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Or Avengers. Or the Avengers. It's they're they're a they're a good mixer, is what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and you know how like ginger ale. Ginger ale is good by itself, but it's also a great mixer. Mm-hmm. Uh, grenadine is a good mixer. It's not really good to drink by itself. I would say, saying all that, I would say that that the the uh, the Inhumans are more grenadine than they are ginger ale. Okay, that's fair. Um, they're good as supporting cast. Yes. Now we th- we lucked out with how over the top and the stellar writing that we got with the guardians of the galaxy that we found out that the guardians can stand on their own. Yeah. And the comics, they could without question, but to the non-comic reading public, well, you know, gun had the perfect angle for it. Yes. I mean, they weren't basically Korath, the pursuers reaction to star Lord it, it was pretty much there as a wink and a nod to most of the casual public who, you know, you somebody says, I'm Star-Lord, and they'll go, who? Yeah. I, <laughs> that scene still makes me laugh. That, it it is. It is. You heard of me. Yes. <laughs> but it's also, it, it's also dangerous. Yeah. Because, like I said, it's lightning in a bottle. Gunn was able to wrap it all together and take uh, their own, another set of D-listers because most of this group of you know Guardians, you know, they were has-beens or supporting characters in other people's titles. Mm-hmm. They were basically a bunch of also-rans who got thrown in together like a family of misfits, and it worked. Right. Yes. And so I think at that point, some individuals in Marvel thought, this is fantastic. How many obscure characters can we do this with? And then somebody said the the Inhumans, and it was the classic case of you were so obsessed with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Right. So it, it was it was. I won't say that Inhumans were a bad choice because they're a bad group to portray. I'm saying they were bad. They were a bad fit for what Marvel Entertainment was trying to do with that particular series. Right. It needed to be something more grounded, less cosmic, less outer space, something more budget friendly. Right. Like the street levels, like most wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there you go. But they didn't. Nope. They chose the Inhumans. They didn't want it. They they didn't they didn't bother asking us what we thought. They know? did. How wah, dare they? Did you know Lockjaw looked great? Yeah, Lockjaw yes. did look great. He did look good. He did look good. So, final thoughts, guys? That was my uh, final I'm all thought it out. Um, and there's only one thing left to do, maybe. Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. 